I'm Mike Vardy. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and with me today is Allison. Stratton. I'm really excited to have her on the show. We're talking about the power of being unproductive. And there's a bit of a pun in there uh, because uh, she is part of the untrilogy, you know, the unmarketing, unselling, and the latest unbranding with her and Scott Stratton. And what we talk about today is just there's a few things we dive into, but the idea of a process and how that works for her and, and Scott and getting things done, how she outsources. And, and just setting boundaries and saying no. All of these things play a role in being able to to deliver top quality content, valuable content across the board uh, for the past several years and, and no signs of slowing down. So here's my conversation with Allison Stratton, fellow Canadian Allison Stratton. Just to note that there were some audio issues with this recording on my side of the equation. Uh, there's been a couple episodes where I recorded them and the mixer that I have was slowly dying. So my apologies for the sounding like I'm on a phone for this one, but the content's just so good. I didn't want to not have it out there. So, uh, this is definitely the exception rather than the rule. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome Allison Stratton to the productivity of podcast. Allison, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here. So I want to talk a bit about the un stuff. I mean, it's funny. I talk about un being unproductive and being unintentional <laughs> and, and being unattentive, although I think it's inattentive is probably a better way to put it. But I love the uh, – but again, maybe it's the Canadian that we like to throw like some weird portmanteaus together that don't entirely like unmarketing. And un and unselling is the new book, right? Unselling is the book that you guys have been been working on. You and 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 Scott Stratton, who, un, yeah. Unbranding is actually our newest book, which right, just but, came out. And we did, and but I mean, we've been releasing like a book a year for yeah. a crazy sort of five or six years. So we did do unselling. We did unselling. Yeah. I guess it came out about a year and a half ago. I want to say I might be off a little bit. Um, so we have an unmarketing was the first book that we wrote. So right. those three books together are kind of the trilogy of uh, of un the un trilogy. See, and that's the thing is there's there's, there's a lot of uns. So uh... yeah, there's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, there's a but lot. Of uns. Well, and it's funny. I just came from a conference uh, where the the idea of personal brand was discussed, and and I and I think that that there's two different sides to this to a certain extent. 
um, is that the idea that we are our own personal brand in a lot of ways, right? Like a lot of people when they're when they're building their own business, they 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 become the the brand, and the brand becomes them. In, in your book, uh, in unbranding, what where do you go with that? Because I mean, it, it, it's a commonly held kind of idea that we're seeing more and more is that you know you are you are your brand, your brand is who you are. Where where do you where do you sit on that? Well, we look at it at, in a couple different ways. So we, in the book, we look at every different size of company. So we look at from, you know, you're a solo entrepreneur, just getting started, one person show up to, you know, huge multinational corporations. And what's really happened is that because we have so much access to information today, because technology has put this world of information in our pockets, we really can't separate the way maybe we could before what's personal and what's business because we find out things, right? Like people's personal accounts, they share different ideas and those are very easily linked back to either the company they work for or their own company. And and sometimes they're related to their work. Like sometimes we're talking about a frontline worker who let's say treats a customer poorly or a CEO who comes out in a public statement from the company saying something that, you know, looks bad at the company, looks bad upon the company. And sometimes it's totally separate. People just being people and doing different things, making mistakes. And then those get, because we have so much access to information, that gets then linked to their company. So what we really tell people is that when you're online, you're in public, which, which sounds simple, but for some of us who didn't necessarily grow up, like we're not online natives, that's a big thing to adjust to, it, you know, because you're sitting by yourself and you're working on your computer and it feels very private. But really, because everything can be shared so, so widely today, you're really in public every time you share something. And that goes for, you know, sharing it on a public platform, but also emails can be shared private message group, uh, things can be shared. And so you want to make sure whatever you're putting out there is something that you would want in public because it is. And, you know, I, I think in some respects, and I, I had an internal battle with this for a while because, I mean, with the term productivity is for the longest time and now time crafting, uh, you know, the idea was I, I fought against the idea that I was the productivity In fact, I, I've always said that anybody could be a productivity if they if they so chose. But, you know, the audience kind of said, oh, look, it's Mike Vardy, the productivityist. And it became this thing where I was rallying against this. And no, 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 no. I'm, I'm Mike Vardy. I'm not the productivityist. And ultimately, I think what happened was it, I, I just kind of, you know, the old Yosemite Sam saying, if you can't beat him, join him kind of mentality where you kind of had to go down that. I felt like I had to go down that road. Um, it, do you find that like, I mean, I know from from I mean, interestingly, my first ever speaking gig was at a uh, social media camp here in Victoria and Scott spoke at it. So I shared when Scott keynoted here at the very first social media camp and I saw him speak and I'm like, this, this guy, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he, he is, he is unabashed. About, and I've seen him speak before, but he's unabashed about who he is, what he is. And, and I think that there's, there's definitely some lessons to be, to be taught there where you, you, you are, I mean, like you said, you have to, if you're going to go down this road, then, then I think, like you said, it's important that you understand, okay, well, then when you put stuff on Facebook, then people are going to look at it. And you've got kids and stuff too. So how does that all play in? Because when you've got family and stuff, there's definitely something there that, that there might be a line that you can cross, right? Well, I think there's two things. You, when you said earlier on that you your audience was saying that you were this right. thing and you were saying you weren't, 
one of the things we talk about in branding is that your brand isn't what you say it is. It's what your market says. Mm -hmm. And so that's what your market was telling you was that no matter what you decided, no matter what messaging you were pushing out, your brand, your brand is defined by your market. And so they're saying, this is who you are. And so, you know, you may disagree with them and you may want to change the work you're doing to kind of slowly evolve that brand. But really, the brand is is outside of your control. It's not what you're pushing out. So I think that's really interesting. And then when, when you're talking about kids and family and all of these kinds of things, I think that it's it's the same message. It's just that if you wouldn't want it to, if you wouldn't say what you're saying, if you wouldn't mm-hmm. share the opinions you're sharing or do the kind of work that you're doing in front of your family, in front of your in front of your kids, then you know, maybe it isn't the right choice. Maybe you're not making the right choice. And so I, you know, we do have, we have, uh, we merged family. So we have, you know, acquisitions and whatever, but we have five kids together and, um, you know, they're not kids. They're older, they're getting older. And, and one is definitely an adult and the other four, we have three teenagers an adult and an 11 year old. And they're online natives and they know what we what we talk about when we're at work. And we're always thinking about them. I think sometimes when you look at it from a parenting angle, there's a lot of messaging about, you know, teach your kids to do this, tell your kids not to share this. But really, the best way to teach your kids how to live online is to set a good example. And so I'm incredibly conscious of the fact that the things that we say and the things that we write are things that our children are going to see and they're going to read and and I want them to read those things and so I don't think that's a bad thing if it if it keeps us at a higher standard I think it's a good thing um so yeah I guess and I'm not sure it's if it's because of the work that we do that I feel that way but I feel like everybody should think about that and make sure that their kids would be proud of the things they're saying and doing in business and online because they, they will see them how sure. much easy, how much easier do you think it is when people start to go down down the path of okay this is this is you know i this is my brand this is this is you know and i'm i'm going to kind of merge or or live live this on social wherever to me that seems like it'd be easier to track too i think a lot of people get caught up in the in the and i talk about work life integration as a, or work life harmony as opposed to work life balance because i don't think i don't think they're mutually exclusive anymore and i think when you when you with what we're we're talking about it actually makes it easier to to track and and to be um be able to 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 do more or do more of the right things because you're not worried about okay well okay this needs to go here and this needs to go here and this needs to go here would you would you would you agree with that yeah, I would say. I mean, we're all also people. And so there are, there is a time where, especially when it goes the opposite way, like, for example, with an entrepreneur, you have like your personal Facebook page, let's say, for example, and then you may have a business Facebook page. Now, the people who liked your business Facebook page did so expecting to hear about products and services and maybe get, you know, deals and information about launches and things like that. Your personal right. page, your friends, they don't want to hear about your business. In fact, it's a good way to lose friends to start trying to sell them things. So I think in that way, it's good to keep it separate. But it's it's only a Google search away to link something that you've said on either profile to the other. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 I think it's, totally. I think it's it's more about the standards and the the type of things that you're communicating. And I think that particularly for entrepreneurs, life work balance is incredibly challenging. And sometimes the best thing to do is just to embrace the fact that you know a lot of your life is about your work, and that you're going to want to be friends with other entrepreneurs who are also going to have you know, things to share about being entrepreneurs and about their work. And that's okay. That's not only is it okay, but we need that as entrepreneurs because it's so isolating. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you can find 
a lot of great connections, both business and personal, by merging in many ways the, the two parts of your life. Um, and then and then it's about expectation. So who is on the other side of that communication? What kind of communication are they expecting to receive? What did they sign up for? And then be respectful of their time. I want to talk a little bit about your origin story to a certain extent, because, I mean, let's, I mean, front facing, I mean, Scott was the one that I knew first. And, and you know, I mean, I think a lot of people knew Scott initially. And then the podcast definitely, uh, I, I, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Allison. Oh, they're both from, <laughs> oh, there's, there's somebody else here. Um, you know, where, how did you kind of, you know, get involved in this space? Was it always like, were you, were you behind the scenes initially and you just became more front facing or was it always like, what was the path here? Because again, like when I first met Scott, it was like, Oh, Scott is, this is, this is, I mean, unmarketed that's Scott and Scott does this. And then all of a sudden, like I said, Allison is here. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is, this is interesting. I want to dive into this a bit. Um, so I was running my own company, uh, a maternity lingerie company that I'd founded. And uh, Scott and I met on Twitter uh, talking about business and kids. And we were living a town away from each other. and We became friends. And, um, you know, we did some different projects, work projects together and spent a lot of time together. And uh, he got a contract to write his first book in 2008. Mm-hmm. And we were working together. Like we'd go to the same coffee shop and we'd both be working on our, you know, our own projects at the time. And I jumped in to help him finish, uh, finish up on marketing. So I'm the co-author of on marketing at the time when it was first published, I didn't have a contract with our publisher. So it came out under Scott's name, but he and I wrote that book together. Uh, and Scott's a speaker. I'm not a professional speaker. Scott's a brilliant speaker. As, as you saw on stage, he's an absolute genius on stage and that's always what he wanted to do. And so over the years, um, I, moved away from my company that I was running at the time when we met and started devoting more and more time to writing with Scott. And we did a lot of research together and I would do most of the writing on the books and then he would be doing the speaking. And it just sort of evolved. And in those years, we also got married. Um, And so our our lives have definitely evolved. Uh, But I've always kind of been a part behind the scenes because I was the author. So I was helping him with his writing. He's a brilliant writer in his own right. Uh, But books are a huge task, especially when you're also traveling and you're a speaker. And we always envisioned that I would do most of the writing and he would do the speaking. And so that's kind of where it it came from. And then as the years progressed and we wrote more books together, we've written five books now together. Um, Scott wanted to do the podcast. So he came to me with this idea of me co-hosting with him. And I was a little bit hesitant at first because he was always the one that was in front of the camera and I didn't have a lot of experience with it. But I absolutely love doing the podcast. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do, for sure. And it's just kind of evolved, I guess. And then I've come, as once we started doing the podcast and people started seeing me, I started sort of speaking a little bit more um, in my own voice, you know, about the different things that we were researching. So I guess that's the, that's the origin story, kind of an evolution into me more, a little bit more in the forefront, although not quite out on stages like Scott. It would take a millennium, like a, a massive leap, I would say, to go to where Scott is at this I point. I could never, right? no, 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 it isn't a massive leap. It's impossible. Like that, those are not my gifts. Like Scott right. is very, that's not my gift at all. But, um, but yeah, so that's, I guess that's kind of how the evolution happened is, from being an entre- entrepreneur myself and also uh, I've written my whole life. I've always loved research and writing. And so my skills kind of got set into the author 
space. And uh, and now he takes our ideas after we've written books and done the podcast, and then he presents them in such a beautiful way on stage. So it's a good partnership. How how has that evolution kind of um, changed? You know how you operate. You know, I mean, because I, I mean, initially when you're running your own business, right? And all of a sudden, I mean, I, and I I can speak also from the fact that my wife does all the, she's great at like, you know, Hey, pay us. We're do, you know, she's very, <laughs> she's the perfect behind the scenes person. Cause she's incredibly blunt and to the point. And I'm a little bit more soft when it comes to that stuff. I'm like, would you mind? Uh, maybe you might want to do that. She's like, no, no, this is how it has to be. And that like, how, how is your, like, we talked about the evolution, but what about like operational, what's changed for you along the way? Because, I mean, well, I'm not running. I'm not doing the day to day of my own business like I was before. Right. Right. And Scott has. We have. Um, we have a incredible assistant who does all of that stuff, and we work with speaker bureaus. And so I don't do any of that back end stuff. Like I don't do invoicing or I don't. Right. Change, right. I don't do any. I was never doing any of that stuff. So, so it it hasn't really changed my my role since I started writing with Scott. That kind of stuff hasn't really changed. Um. You know, it's I still do focus, the, the bulk the of the writing. Yeah. 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 So, so when there's, uh, we both do research. So we both mm-hmm. live online. We're constantly sharing, um, stories back and forth with each other. And then the best of those stories will end up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then after, you know, sort of, let's say eight months of the podcast, the best of those stories will kind of be, be a formation for a book, whatever the concept may be that we're running with. And then the very, very strongest concepts in the book end up on stage. And that's been our process since we've been working together. It's only that now with the podcast, and we just recorded the 200th and 201st episode of the Unpodcast. So we've actually been doing this for quite a while, like, you know, a number of years, I think four years mm-hmm. um, in this process. So that kind of stuff hasn't changed for me at all. I'm still doing the same thing. Um I would say if anything's changed, it's just that people know that I'm doing them as opposed to before at the very beginning when it was really under Scott's name. And now, um, because I'm not also running a company of my own, uh, I'm able to do more stuff around marketing, which I really love. So, And I think it's been about four years now since I let go of my company and have focused 100% on the marketing. You, you mentioned the process, which I think is, is again, fascinating. We could say process, too, instead of process. It can, it can work this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, how important was it for you to set up that that process and then test it and see how it worked? Because uh, again, when you've got so many moving parts, and again, like you said, Scott's traveling and, and you're you're building all of the, you, you've got a lot of moving parts. Plus, again, you do have family stuff going on too, right? So how how important is it to have that framework, that process in place, so that you can deliver consistently? It's incredibly important, I think. Like we we really uh, operate in a certain way that works best for us creatively. And and the goal is always to provide the most creative output. So for example, with the M podcast, we go into a studio once a month and we record four episodes. So that's a huge process piece because we don't do it. We don't record it at home. Um, We don't record it on days where there's other things going on. So it's purely once a month. We have a studio day. We go in and it's all M podcast. It's all focus. Now, during the time in between, we're constantly collecting stories and keeping a running list of, oh my gosh, did you see what happened? Or people send us stuff or a personal story happens that we want to share. We keep a running list of that through email, chat, on our phones in different ways. All that information gets printed out only the night before we go into the studio because it needs to be fresh for us. And we know that 
for the creative output side that we need to have the content be fresh. So we print mm-hmm. everything out. We, we kind of look at it, organize it a little bit, but we don't really have conversations about it. We just sort of look at it and see what fits with what. And then we go in the studio. We spend the day recording the four episodes. And then we walk out the door. And that is the end of mine and Scott's job. We have we work with an incredible um, audio engineer who makes sure everything sounds good. We work with a video team who record us, who edit everything, who makes sure that that looks great. We have someone who does who watches every episode and does show notes for us. Everything is put published and put up with the notes, all without us touching it because we are not the best people to do that job. And if we had to do everything, we would have exactly we maybe not even one episode of the podcast right. would ever have come out. So that was our process. And we just decided that, look, these are our strengths. This is what we're good at. This is what we need to outsource because we're big believers in outsourcing your weaknesses. And and it works. And and it's worked consistently now for four years. And, and I'm sure we'll continue to work going forward because we know the most important thing to us is that we be creatively, you know, into the process. And that means focus. And it also means that we don't, you know, have these big conversations about things too early. And then thirdly, that we outsource to other people what they're better at. So the process is really important because without that process in place, we would have nothing. And it's the same with books. It's it's the same with with everything. We just have things very organized in a way, but still with creativity in mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, you get some flexibility within the framework. Yeah, flexibility and also it's it's very personal. Like I'm sure other people couldn't jump in and take our process. It might drive them crazy. But for us, it, we know exactly what's going to work for us. And so that's what we stay with. How does this all work with, again, with family stuff? I know your kids, you've got a blended family. Some of your kids are older. But when it comes to, you know, all the work that you do, how does getting, I mean, I know I've, I mean, I've, I've seen your guys. So, I mean, you, you go to, you, you mean, you're, you spend some time in the States. You spend some time watching the Lions play. Uh, well, right <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, Scott does the traveling. So I don't generally yeah. travel. Do like I will home? if it's if it's particularly important to me or, you know, on, on occasion, Scott and I will do like a live on podcast or something Then I will yeah. travel. But in general, Scott travels and I stay home. So that means that nobody starves and um, <laughs> and life here remains pretty constant for the kids and they are in school. So I do most of when I'm when I'm really busy writing is usually kind of the last four months before a book is due. Mm-hmm. And then I just work every day to get make sure the kids get off to school okay or take them to school depending on the day. And then I'll do my work in those hours while they're at school. And then they come home. And then, I mean, and they're also very familiar with like the occasional phone call or sometimes like I'll need to do like an interview like this and it'll be right in the middle of a time when they're home. And they've grown up that way. Like they, yeah. they're all the kids of entrepreneurs and they understand that, you know, sometimes a phone call needs to be made, an email needs to be answered. But at the same time, we're pretty good about having time with them and making sure that we're not, uh, we don't, I don't work in the evenings at all. I put everything away and make sure I'm not distracted so that I can spend time with them. And we say no to things when it doesn't fit in our schedule. Like we had some requests for interviews and stuff for the book that were during school, outside of school time. And we just said, no, you know, we couldn't do it. Um, yeah. And basically being a good, good partners, I think, I mean, the fact that Scott's able to travel Unfortunately, I can't host keynotes in my backyard, so Scott needs to get on planes and go around the world to do what he loves, which is important. And uh, and I mostly am here, so 
yeah, I guess that's how we manage family stuff. I'm quite organized. So um, my the only time I can ever remember, it's funny talking to you today, talking about productivity. The only time I can remember ever this morning, I slept through my alarm. I don't think that's ever happened before. Wow. Yeah, I had my 11-year-old was up in the middle of the night with a bad dream. And so I switched beds. And at some point, I turned off my alarm or I put it under something. And at 6.40 this morning, I was woken up by two kids wondering why I was still sleeping. <laughs> how did that feel? You know? Actually, that's an interesting question. So let's, let's talk, touch on that really briefly. Is how did that feel? Because, I mean, if you're... It's awesome. If you, yeah, like that's just it, right? Like, I mean, you've got this, um, you know... And it's funny because I talked to a lot of people at the frameworks and the processes, and I'm a big process person too. I, I have days that are themed. I do the same thing. Like right now, it's funny. We're recording on a Monday. I normally do all my recordings on Wednesdays. So this okay. is definitely an anomaly, right? Because yeah. I normally have that. And and we're recording this during the Thanksgiving week in the States. So I'm very thankful that I get a, a five-day <laughs> weekend. Because for, they've got it right. I mean, compared to us, ours is on a Monday. We only get three days. They eat for Thursday, which means the Friday falls into like, you know, an abyss. So we get Very the extra smart. Friday. But, um, but you know, I, I definitely feel when something is not off, but just uh, an anomaly or something just throws, it, it, it takes, uh, luckily, the framework is there to get you back on track, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, and it's never happened before. And so first mm. I'm like startled. And then I'm trying to figure out how to get these 40 minutes back in my life. And it's and it really is. I mean, I joke around about it, but sometimes like about how hard it is to look this relaxed, like how much work goes into yeah. making me seem like I'm super laid back. <laughs> like yeah. it's a lot of work sometimes. And that 40 minutes has just all day. I've just kind of been like, oh, gosh, like I just I didn't do this or I didn't do that. And and I didn't drink enough coffee and I didn't, you know, it wasn't it wasn't right. Um and, and I'm back on track now. I think probably about an hour ago, I was like, I finally exhaled and was like, okay, I'm actually like caught up with my day. But I, I, and I think that's part of having a plan is that I can't imagine feeling that way every day. Like, I know there are some people who roll with things and who do great, but I'm really an organization person and I need that organization so that I get all the things done when I need to get them done. And having those, losing those 40 minutes was such a, created such chaos for me. And, uh, and I know, and I know that I need that. So I, I can't imagine constantly being like that, like not knowing what was happening and what time things were supposed to happen. So I'm gonna need to turn up the volume on my alarm, I think, or set a set a backup. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, as you mentioned, this the quote comes to mind by Eisenhower: "Preparing for battle." I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable, and I think it's true. <laughs> I think it's totally true, especially when you've got a lot of moving parts. Last question. All right, so. Uh, I mean, we're both Canadians, right? Yes. So how many times do people not know that you're Canadian when you're talking to them? Like online, like I, I have a lot of people go, oh, you're Canadian? They, they don't, maybe, and maybe it's because I travel a lot. Maybe it's the same with Scott, but they don't recognize, they, they think, oh, you're, you know, you're just from the States, just somewhere in the States. Does that happen a lot oh. for you or not really? No, it actually doesn't happen a lot for me. I feel like, but Scott does like start a lot of his keynotes talking about being Canadian. So yeah. maybe people associate us with Canada. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't have it a lot. I think that I guess my, I must have an accent somewhere in there that I can't hear, but everyone else always hears when I'm talking to them. Cause yeah, and I, and I probably share Canadian minded stuff maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Well, it's yeah. funny because speaking, I mean, again, I'm from Hamilton uh, originally and moving out West. It's funny because once you live, I've lived out here for almost 20 years now and I've kind of adopted more of a Pacific Northwest accent, yeah. which is, 
So when you're saying like, and I and my all my family's back in Ontario, so they'll say things like house and about, and it sounds very pronounced. And you, I, I've heard it a couple times with you as well. But uh, <laughs> but but the nasally part is like I used to say Hamilton, like Hamilton, like it was very pronounced. So it's just yeah. interesting because there's a lot of like just slight idiot. And one time I was at a conference. And I, I think it also comes out if you've had a bit of alcohol. And and I and I'm at a conference in Minneapolis, and I'm talking to someone. I said, "Oh, that freaking!" And I said, "Freaking!" And all of a sudden, the guy that was with me goes, "I didn't know you were Canadian. I knew you're Canadian. But I never heard you as a Canadian. Now all I hear is Canadian." And so you said, "Freaking!" Right, so I said, "Freaking." <laughs> I didn't know that was our word. I'm kind of proud of that. That's a good word. Well, well, you know, freaking or, I mean, I've occasionally thrown out, you know, all that in a bag of chips, you know, (laughs) things like, things like, you know, because we have those cool chip flavors. I don't know. But anyway, um, it's just, it's just, it's interesting because a lot of, um, a lot of people when I, when I deal with them, they're like, oh, you're Canadian. And and it's, it's not something I bring up, but you're right. Now that, now that you mentioned it, Scott does bring up that he's Canadian. Uh, yeah, he he always brings it up. He, it's okay. one of his like opening things as he talks about being Canadian. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, almost to get the it's like you know so you can stop making fun of my accent now. You know. Yeah, <laughs> and also and also I'm not typically Canadian because I'm gonna be quite forceful and unabashed and not un, and, and unapologetic. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's yeah. the next book, unapologetic. Maybe that's the next <laughs> one since you've got the ums going on, Allison. This has been fantastic. Uh, I'm going to help you get some of that time, even more time back now by by letting you go. But where can people find you and all the things that you and Scott do online? Um, well, you can always visit our site at unmarketing.com, or we have quite a fantastic Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and search up Unmarketing, uh, you can tweet to us, Scott's Unmarketing, and I'm at Allison. And you can listen to the podcast. So it's unpodcast.com, or you can also find the link on our website as well. And we do a weekly show, business show for the Fed Up. Lots of fun stuff there. So yeah, say hi. Awesome. Thanks again, Allison. Thank you. Big thanks to Allison for joining me on the show this week. You can find out everything we talked about in the show notes. And, uh, you know, again, pick up all the Untrilogy. Uh, but, uh, you know, Unbranding is the newest one. Uh, take a look at that. Of course, you can get all that information in the show notes as well. Big thanks to John Polster for producing this show. Big thanks to Allison once again for joining me. And big thanks to you for uh, sticking it through this episode, which did have some audio issues, admittedly. Uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, thanks again for joining me. And until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity Podcast, reminding you, stop guessing, and start going. <laughs>